Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most influential and listened to podcast in auto detailing. Welcome to the community. Hi, welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. My name is Marshall Hill. I'm your guide as we journey through the car care industry. You can find me on most platforms with Nick at HyperClean Store. Best way to reach out, though, get in touch with that HyperClean Specialist Group on Facebook or shoot us a text direct, 918-800-1188. And this is one of the most exciting episodes that I'm looking forward to, the future of detailing. Mike Phillips, the man, the myth, the legend. Thanks so much, man. <laughs> I really appreciate you coming and taking some time to talk about the future of detailing. Well, thanks for having me on, Marshall. And uh, I got to tell you, those are those are tough questions, you know, trying to uh, figure out what the future is going to be in detailing. Uh, it's like trying to figure out what the future is going to be for anything. You know, it's just a great unknown. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the fun part. We get to speculate and put out our philosophies of it. Yeah. So, Mike, where do people find you on social media? Because they're going to want to reach out and connect with you. Sure. So, um, mo- most of my social media are going to be Mike Phillips 3D. So, uh, Facebook is Mike Phillips 3D. Instagram is Mike Phillips 3D. You know, so it's pretty easy to find. Then my email is mike.phillips at 3dproducts.com. So, pretty simple. Just if you do a search, Mike Phillips 3 and add 3D, you'll find me. All right. So, before we get into the future, right? Because to really, you're, you're correct. Absolutely 100%. It's, it's virtually impossible to, to really philosophize and pick out where we're going to be in the future, especially after what's happened over the past couple of years, right? But let's look, dive back because there's probably not another person around that has more history and detailing than you do. So would love to know, just dig your brain with what are some of the highlights over the past, you know, years in the industry that you would want to bring out of, of where we've been, right? Because in order to plan ahead, we really do need to look into the the past. Yeah, of course. Well, some of the things like that, are, that were interesting that really changed the industry uh, was when the foam pad was invented and introduced to the detailing world. That was 1965. Okay, so before 1965, any time we were buffing on a car, it was with a fiber pad, wool pad, lambskin, something like that. Do you remember what beer you were drinking in 1965? Well, I was four years old, so it was Damn. probably chocolate milk. Chocolate milk. <laughs> chocolate milk beer. <laughs> but to kind of put things in perspective, like uh, the Beach Boys came out with a song called uh, Windy. Uh, the Rolling Stones came out with a song called I Can't Get No Satisfaction. And the Mustang was introduced, the Ford Mustang in 1964 and a half. And that's when the foam pad was introduced. McGuire's introduced the first foam pad. And that really changed the industry because anytime you have a, a, a fiber pad spinning on paint, the fibers themselves are putting a cut in the paint. So when you introduce foam with the uniform surface texture, it reduced the amount of swirls greatly. So that was a big change in detailing those foam pads. Well, why why do we still have the the alternative then? Why, why do we still have both? Why did foam not just completely overtake it? Well, you, you need the, the fibers are an abrasive. So uh, I, that's a good question. I've been asked it all day long. And lots of my classes... People always ask me, hey, Mike, can you uh, take out sanding marks of the DA? Well, of course, the answer is yes. But the fastest, most effective way to remove sanding marks over an entire car, if you're, if you're that kind of detailer, is with the wool pad on a rotary buffer. So there's, oh, this, the old saying goes like this, Marshall, the right tool for the job. Okay, So depending on what you're trying to do, a wool pad or a microfiber pad, a fiber pad will be the right pad for the job. And at some time, the foam pad will be the right job. So it's nice to have options 
And it's just like a, a master mechanics toolbox. You know, if you're going to remove the, the, the bolts, the head bolts that hold a head on a Chevy engine, you're not going to use a 12-sided socket. You'll round that head. You use a six-sided socket, right? You know, so you can get the bolts off without stripping the head. That's going to be a real mess if you can't get the head bolts off. So it's the right tool for the job. So that's why we still have fiber pads, but we also have great foam pads on the market. All right. What was something else that's been a big a big shocker to the industry that's been a, a great thing for us? Uh, something in the past when microfiber pads were introduced. So I believe uh, Meguiar's introduced the first microfiber pad DA system in about 2010, I believe it was. And the whole reason they introduced the microfiber pad was to get guys away from rotary buffers and wool pads putting swirls in. And they introduced the microfiber pad to offer more cutting to replace the power of the rotary buffer. That was the whole reason was to just uh, transition production detailing off of rotary buffers and onto DA polishers. But to make up for the lack of power of the rotary you had to add the fiber pad to the DA. So that's what that was all about. It was actually never intended to be uh, a system for like doing show car work. It was intended to do production work. So that's kind of the reason for that. Now, you do a lot more than just polishing now. So what's been some other things that, that's come out that, uh, that I think the interesting one when <laughs> this is what it was, there's the reason why I really wanted to dive back into this, that maybe this isn't a big thing that happened in the industry. Maybe it's a tip that you can give to people. And this is the interesting one that I, I when we talked, and I, we, we talked about you coming on this episode, and you had told me you had just got done finishing a really cool-looking car that had some really nice white walls on there. Yeah. And I have asked around the people what they think Mike Phillips used on those white walls, and they would be amazed at what you used. <laughs> oh, I think that was when I was using Comet. <laughs> yeah. So a Comet is a you know it's a it's a household cleaner and it's a bleach and it's it, it 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 can be used for a lot of different industries but here's where I use Comet I use it for cleaning white wall tires or white lettering tires I use it for machine scrubbing non skid in boats okay and then also for uh, vinyl top convertible tops that are really old and in bad shape so th that product there and also for restoring old single stage paint. So a couple years ago, when I was teaching a detailing class, I had a 1970 Cadillac with the original metallic gold paint, and it had turned completely white with oxidation. So this is an old school trick that a lot of young guys don't know, but when you're washing it, instead of washing it with car soap, you wash it with Comet, okay? And the Comet will chew off that outer oxidized surface, get you down to a fresh layer of paint, and then you dry the car and start the paint polishing. You could polish it off with your pad in a compound, but you're going to load your pads up with dead paint. Since you got to wash the car anyway, might as well chew the dead paint off with some Comet. Would you ever hear of anybody, this is what I think I've always loved about you, is you'd never hear anybody else say that. Yeah. Well, you can, I have an article. You can go to Skynet. Did I say Skynet? I mean Google. Go to Google and type in um, the Comet Technique, my name, Mike Phillips, and you'll pull my article up. And you'll see the gold Cadillac, too, the before and after pictures. So one of the myths uh, that we talked about in this past episode that it brought up to me, because the last episode we were talking about myths inside of detailing, and one myth that came out was that there's one way to do it. <laughs> no, there's all kinds of ways to do it. What, what's that now? Explain. Why is there so many different ways of cleaning a car when some people want to teach an exact system? Um, you know, that's a good question. But you know, look, humans, we're all different. It would be a really boring world if we were all the same. 
Um, you know, you can have one guy that likes Coke, another guy that likes Pepsi. And look, they're really similar, aren't they? But some people, that they're very different. So they like one over the other. And so everybody has their own style. But when it comes to detailing a car, to me, the most important thing is just we get to the end goal, the sh- a clean, shiny car. How you get there is, you know, your choice. The thing I think I run into the most, you know, that I, I find from people is most people are trying to find out how to detail a car faster. Okay. That's the biggest thing. Because, you know. Uh, like I was just talking to a guy just now, I says it takes about two hours to do a thorough wash in a car. And to a lot of people, that sounds like a long time, but that's 15 minutes for each wheel and tire. That's an hour. Four wheels and tires is an hour. And um, then you start the car, top of the car and work your way down. There's another hour right there. So then after that, you're going to say clay it, then you're going to compound it or polish it. You're talking eight to 10 hours, as you know, to detail a car. And so anytime you can find a way to get that down to, say, five or six hours, well, that's better than eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 hours. So most of the guys I meet, they're trying to find a way to detail a car faster, but keep their quality high. So they want both things. They want speed and quality. What do you think has been the coolest thing in the past that's come out to help detailers speed up the car? Well, to, to me personally, I think it's the gear-driven orbital polishers. You know, so you got your choice of the Rupes Mille, you got the Makita PO5000C, and you got the Flex family of beasts, beast tools, the Sea Beast, the Super Beast, and the Beast. And with the gear-driven orbital, you don't got to mess around with any pad stalling, and you don't have the risk of burning or putting swirls in like a rotary. So it's kind of like the the, um, the combination of the, all the benefits and features of both tools put into one tool. And I think that helps to speed up the paint correction step while keeping your quality high. Anything on the interior that you think has helped speed up? This is the reason why I ask it, because yeah. if we're going to talk about the future, yeah. right, and we're going to talk about speed, there's a lot of young guys that are questioning whether or not they should use steam mm-hmm. or they should use an extractor or whether they should use, you know, maybe I just spray some stuff because there's a lot of companies as they, as the detailing industry has evolved and as new companies have come into the market, specifically, you know, selling off of social media, sometimes there's just a spray that magically cleans the carpet, right? So I've got to think about if I'm a detailer and I, I want to go clean cars, I've got to be quick, I've got to be efficient. But if I've got stains in the carpet, which direction should I go? Yeah. So, and let me just be real honest. I just have no interest at all in interior detailing. So one of the things I do in my class that I teach for detailing, I do teach the topic of steam cleaning and hot water extraction and taking care of things like vinyl and leather, uh, headliners, plastic dashes. Like I can cover those topics. But here's what I teach in my class. If someone calls you and they say, I need the interior of my car detailed. When they use the word need, that sends up a flag. I probably don't want to do it. The interiors I like to detail are already clean. Okay, So I'll take those jobs and I tell all my students to have a friend in the detailing industry. And if someone brings you like a Chrysler town and country van where the dog is thrown up, the kids have thrown potato chips, or it's just a mess, right? Tell the person this. I would love to detail your car for you, but my schedule's full. Here's my friend Jim's name. Give him a call. You know, it's the old Kenny Rogers song. You got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, and know when to walk away. And then know when to run. And know when to run. And so, you know, don't take hard 
disgusting jobs. Let someone else do it. Be smart. Take the the easy jobs. Make more money. Work hard. So, yeah, I hear you. I think steam cleaners are great. Um, I, I, I think steam cleaners, one of the benefits of steam cleaners is I've met detailers that have been doing this so long that if they get inside of a car and start spraying some kind of cleaner, like an all-purpose cleaner, and they're breathing it in, it inflames their lungs and their face. They break out. With steam, you get away from all the chemicals. So that's one of the cool features. You can clean without chemicals. And, of course, it heats things up so it loosens things so you can wipe them off. So steam's a great way to go. Uh, for interior detailing, but to be honest, Marty, I just really this. Most people know me as a paint polisher, and that's what I like to do. And I always want to let some other guy in the industry be the guy that's famous for cleaning interiors. He can carve out that niche, and he can own it, and he can have it. Cool, man. I appreciate the transparency. It's <laughs> because that's what we just talked about. Actually, also in myths, is there's a myth that just because you're behind a camera, that you actually know what you're doing. And so, thank you for saying, hey, listen, I stay in my lane. This is where I specify. This is what I'm great at. And I would rather somebody else talk about something that I'm, I'm not the specialist on. Yeah. So I really appreciate that and, about and, you, man. And, if you, and let me go deep on that. The other thing is, is if you try to structure an interior detailing class that costs money, see how fast that fills up. It's just not exciting. Everybody likes to polish the paint. So that's why I'm kind of, and I, including me, so that's why I'm attracted to it. Yeah. And, and the rest of the interior detailing, if it is not something that's really messy, then it's really just common sense. Put vinyl products on vinyl, put leather products on leather, you know, just common sense. There are, however, a shit ton of people up at the Northeast mm -hmm. that because they can't be out in the weather, you know, right? Like, they make their complete business nothing but interiors. And, and that's a great – and because there's so many guys that want to do exterior, you can carve out that niche mm -hmm. and just be known. Yeah. My wife is the best interior detailer in the world. She just doesn't want to do it for money, but she's great at it. She's so much better than me. I wish she would teach a class on it. She's so good. All right, so let's dive into where we are today, all right? We still want to get to where we're going to be in the future but, geez, it's been uh, – we don't even need to really dive into it. We all know it's been chaotic, right? It's all been a big navigation trying to figure out things. You know, the, the media when corona, it was could we go out and work? We were at HyperClean. We were pushing out to everybody, get to the front lines, go clean cars. We need to clean things. Yes. Some people were saying close your business and, and don't do that. And, you know, there was all this different confusion about what we should do. The industry has now evolved with, you know – we haven't had these type of expos in a while. Nobody showed up to other ones in 2021. You know, so where are we as a heartbeat? I think as everybody's here, everybody's excited to be back together. But what's your feeling on what's the heartbeat of the industry? Where are we at today? Well, <clears throat> in, in the really big picture, what we really want is a strong economy. Okay, you want people working with good jobs making income so they have expendable cash to hire someone like you or me to detail their car. So to me, you know, to me, what I really want is good leadership in our politics that creates a great economy with great jobs. Okay, so that is going to raise all boats, if you think about it. So that, that's where the heart starts is a great economy so people can buy cars and they can hire detailers to detail cars. Well, it's hard to buy a car right now because you're... Yeah, supply side. Here's the interesting thing that we should have brought up with the history, right? We are involved in the overall car care industry, whether some of us like to think of it or not, right? We're a part of not... The detailing industry is completely a, a small microchasm to the overall car care industry and the overall auto industry. <laughs> when have you... But when have you ever seen over the years that you can actually have a vehicle... As an investment, 
It's never been an investment except if it's something that's that you've worked on that's a classic or something that people restored. Yeah. Restored. But the average person today who bought a car two years ago can go trade it in and make couple grand yeah it's, you've never seen that before ever yeah the, in our, my local hometown uh there's a, a radio ad that runs right now that if you have a car that's 2016 or newer they will give you 500 dollars over msrp to trade it in so things have become very upside down because of the supply chain issues that we're experiencing due to covid which is a you know worldwide well, or pandemic what nick my partner when Everybody talked about the ship, the chip shortage as being a COVID issue. He he has some connections where he talked to people, and it, it really wasn't a COVID issue. It was the the, the auto manufacturers told the told the, the 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 people that were making the chips once everything happened. It wasn't that COVID did it. It was the manufacturers said, "Oh, we just want to wait right now." Gotcha. Right? So they blame it on COVID, but it yeah. was their poor leadership of knowing where we would be in the future. Sure. And they just pulled back altogether. And the chip manufacturers told them, like, hey, listen, you shouldn't do this. Yeah. And they still did it. Yeah. So it's, it's people that want to take don't want to take responsibility for their decisions and their actions. And they just place it off. Throw on COVID. someone else under the bus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of back to transparency. Hey, if you if you make the mistake, own it. So. Definitely, but so we, if we get cars coming back in, and this is the interesting part about where we are in the industry, because we don't know if the chips come back in 2023, if they come back in 2024. Some manufacturers are starting to seem to get some chips in. It seems like that, but the the, the car lots are definitely different. As detailers, we have a place then to help people if they aren't trading their cars in because they can't get a new car, right? It, yep. it might be four more months before they could get the car that they got it on order. How do we play a part of people that aren't getting to trade their cars back in and they're getting to keep them longer? Seems to me like detailers would be, we got a really great opportunity here. Yeah, we do. If people got to keep their car, they're going to want it clean, polished inside, outside. It's and the other way they enjoy it. You know, we've probably both experienced something where someone's had a car, they've neglected it, and then after it gets a really good detail, it's like a new car again, and it brings back the enjoyment to the owner. Maybe they don't even want to trade it in. They forgot how beautiful it was because of years and years of neglect. I, I will tell you this. There's a, there's, a, there's a back road that runs along um, one of the major arteries in Stewart where I live, and in this back road, it travels along Auto Row, and it used to be when you drive down there in the back fields, it was just full of cars, just cars lined up everywhere. Now you drive back there, there's nothing there. Okay, it's all on the front lot because they can't get no cars, and they either can't get them shipped, they can't get them unloaded. But I always thought that was I always thought that was interesting because I was so used to always seeing these fields full of cars, and there's just nothing there now. So, so what do you think is the most important thing for us to do as detailers in today's? If we want to maintain these cars for the customers that are going to not be trading them in. It, where do you recommend that we interact with the customers? Um, well, education is always important. You know, most people, mo the average person do doesn't know how to properly wash a car. Um, I, I, you know, what you want to do is you want to take care of your investment in, in every aspect. So washing is the thing people do the most. Okay. How many people do you know that change spark plugs? N nobody, right? But you wash your car. You get it clean. Saturday, you're going to wash the car. So just educating people on how to properly wash it, using good media, good wash towels, uh, wash mist, drying towels, so you don't put the types of scratches in that we all see in, this, in the car. So that's, to me, that's something that's always going to be there, is showing people how to take care of their own car, and it starts with washing. 
Real simple, just the basics, you know. We're never going to get away from the basics, never. So you think that we should, detailers should be educating our customers on how they should wash the cars? Is exactly. that what you said? Oh, yeah. I always, the first question I ask a person when I'm going to detail their car is how do you wash it? That tells me everything they know in their head about anything. Because, okay, and it's because you most, you're, you're specialized in the industry with polishing yeah. and correcting paint. Yeah. Okay, but, and, and that's and that's why you would recommend that. And, and yeah, so because I've carved out that niche, most of my customers that are coming to me are coming to me to have swirls and scratches removed. But let's look at how they got there in the first place. And it usually the thing you do the most to car for the average person is wash it. So let's look at this. So, so yeah, I educate my customers because if someone comes to me and they want me to detail their car and they're going to take it when I'm done in the next few years and run it through an automatic car wash, it's going to ruin all my work. So I already know I don't want to do a multiple step show car paint correction to that car. It's not going to last. And I'm not going to give them the ability to blame me that the car looks bad because they didn't know how to wash it. So yeah, washing is always a conversation I have with every customer I have. And I teach that in all my classes. Okay. So you just put, you just touched on something I'd like to pick your brain on. Because if you're going to specialize yourself in the industry, and I don't mean you specifically, I mean like a detailer, mm -hmm. because there is a theory over the past years, especially 15, 16, 17, 18, as we had these incredible economy that just kept growing and as multi-stage coatings were a thing, as this in-depth, uh, you know, heavy, you had to achieve this heavy correction, you had to go through all these processes. It was a, it was a very intricate time where... If you could specialize yourself in that way, you saw a massive growth, mm -hmm. right? You did. Yes. And we saw detailers that they suddenly could create these massive businesses, big places. A lot of money came in. It was a really cool time. It was. It was very unique. Yes. And we, we said here on the podcast, we said this is the best time ever to be a detailer. I agree. I don't think you could have made any more money in the past history than you did over the past years. No, once, once ceramic coatings were introduced, it really changed the game. Because yeah, now you can offer multiple step paint correction, you know, and long lasting ceramic coatings. Where in the past, you know, it was carnauba waxes and sealants. They last three to six months. It depends, it depends on how the car is stored. If the car is stored inside in the garage, everything lasts longer. But if it's a daily driver, nothing's going to last that long. But now coatings do. But when the coatings came along, it just allowed people to increase the price of their packages and make more profit along with that. But as you have known, right, especially through the different recessions you've been a part of, me heavily going and trying to navigate through that 8, 9, and 10 recession was very difficult. And yep. there's, there's people that have been on the podcast that are local to Tulsa that he had a business. And, you know, you rem you remember, I'll remember once he started talking about it, he said once those planes hit the towers – the world shut down. Yeah. And he goes, the difference between your world shutting down in 2020 was back then the government didn't give them money. Yeah. yeah. They did not give them a chance to stay afloat. Yeah. And so there was this big washout yep. of people that hadn't run their businesses properly. And so once something hit, they couldn't stay going. The, the big fortunate part about over the past years is there's a lot of detailers that got to stay in business because the government gave them a lot of reason to stay in business, and they got to stay in business because their customers got fed a lot of money. Yep. But there's no doubt that when you're going through tough times in the economy, which many are projecting over the next years, still we still have a lot to work through. Should detailers be that focused, in your opinion, on that type of work, the full correction and all that, or should they also have, you know, the ability to go clean other parts of the car where it might not be that big high ticket price. Yeah. Well, it's always good to d have diversity. So offer um, multiple different uh, add-ons, you know, so uh, PPF films, uh, window tinting, 
specialized in uh, wheel repair. There's there's a lot of ways you can diversify your detailing business to include a lot more services than just the paint correction and interior detailing. And the more diverse you are, you're going to have uh, throw like a bigger net out there for your customer base. And you're going to ensure that you're going to have more customers, so therefore your business is going to be more profitable, more stable. All right, so projections looking into the future. I know we said a second ago, like, you know, it's hard to really predict, but thinking about what you just said, and if we're going to kind of take that model, which let's go back through them real quick. You said wheel repair. Yep. Yes. Window tint. Window tinting. Uh, PPF. Do you, PPF are films. you a PPF guy? No, I'm not. I've never really had the desire to do it, yeah, So, but, but it's important, That's and the people big, love it, too. They do, but it's also a pretty big investment, isn't it? If you yeah, get to, a- to get into it, yeah. You know, training, the equipment, it's everything. So maybe not? Um, it just depends. I would say if you're younger, starting out, then I would definitely look into it. Something you can always start researching and then add it on. Uh, see if it's right for you. But maybe start by just taking a class. That you know, Whatever that class costs, you'd have to do that anyway. And then you'll, you'll have a good feel if you really want to pursue it or not. So All right. So let's jump off this wagon then, right? As you've changed a, a lot in where you, you've you've been over the past years, you just talked about basically education. Yes. And you've said that, and it's been a major thing through your career. You just told detailers that they should educate their customers. Now you're telling detailers where they can get education. How do they find the right person to get education from? That That is tough, okay? That's tough. There's, uh, gosh, every time it seems like, every time I turn around, there's someone out there calling themselves an instructor, <laughs> you know? And um, the the thing I would look for if I was someone that wanted to get training is uh, I would, I would, you know, start with the basics. So go to their website and look what the course description is, look what they offer, look who the instructor is, and then try to look for some kind of documented history that shows they have a history of successfully teaching people whatever their craft is. And that can be hard to do because what I see is I see a lot of people promoting things that are coming up, but I don't see no documented history from the past. How do we, and this was, I love that you brought that out, because social media can have such a smoke and mirror to it. Yes, it can. And our industry is already known for a lot of smoke and mirrors. Yep. So how do I navigate through somebody taking a video and telling me stuff, but I don't, I mean, we just, there's so many young people because they've grown up through use, they don't use it, right? We're different. It became something that we started to use. They've been using social media, so they're just adapted into it. So we're really at here at HyperClean starting to really go, Ring that bell. Go, guys! Not all of it's real. Yeah, and it, and look, there's there's not gonna there's no easy answer to that question. You, everybody has to do their own research, and you know, and just just look to see what they offer. But what, what th- should we look for? Well, like, if we're gonna analyze somebody, right? Yeah. Just this, just your personal opinion. So, just how should we? If if you're if you're a young guy and you're watching all these people on there, and you say dig, you know, try and look at, you know. If they got some documented history, how do you start to do that? What what things are you going to look to see? It's what hard. things would you look not to like? What do you, what's a red flag for you? Well, let me tell you what I do, and then this is what you would look for. So, one of the things I've always done is I like to take a lot of pictures and video that show happy people having fun. I did that at McGuire's, I did it at Auto Geek, and now I do it for 3D. But I, I show pictures of people doing things, not sitting in chairs, 
looking at PowerPoints, not a guy talking at them, but I show pictures of people doing the thing they want to learn. I show the pictures. So I have a documented history of people doing a hands-on class learning because that's how I think people learn best by doing, not by listening and, and reading, you know, just by putting the stuff in their hands. So whatever you're looking for, you want to see if that company can show that when you take their class, you're really going to get to do the thing they say they're going to teach you to do. And like you said, there's a social media. It's really easy to put a picture up of something that has nothing to do with what you're going to learn. And you get suckered into it. You go spend your money, and then you, you, you're, you're disappointed. But a philosophy a lot of times has been, and this is what's so funny, fake it till you make it. Gosh, but, yeah. But then you're... You, you're tr- you've got detailers that are trying to listen to people that are faking it till they make it. Yep. And they're leading a whole crew of people that might not really. You, you, there's, and the reason why is if we're going to be into the future, mm-hmm. I, I hope, just as the way you hope, if you look at the stats, it's 25 to 35 is the main dominant age group. You get out of 40, right? That 35 to 40 goes down. Once it gets out of 40, we're, I mean, it's a handful of us, man. Yeah. It's a handful. So if I'm a young detailer and I want to think about the future of detailing, mm-hmm. I, I've got to really understand that not everybody's telling me what's going to benefit me long term. Yeah. No, and the, look, there's no good answer. You've got to do your research. And even then, because there's so much misinformation out there, it can you can make a wrong decision even okay, though so you're... let's go over some yeah. of that misinformation. What yeah. are some of the things that you've heard? I mean, it's not about a company or a person, just a theory that you've heard that's actually not beneficial. Well, um, I, I a couple of years ago, I wrote an article called, I'm not a big fan of long-term codings, Okay. Okay, so everybody, you know, everybody keeps saying, "Oh, this coding lasts two years. This coding lasts three years. This now we're up to ten years." Okay, and in context, if you put that coding on a car and that car sits in the garage, it's going to last a long time. It's going to look good. But one of the things I taught in my class yesterday was I put a ceramic coating on a car a year ago. It's a daily driver. I washed it. I clayed it. I polished the hood this last weekend. I used a white colored pad, a white colored polish, and after polishing just the hood, when I turned the pad over, the pad was brownish grayish. So if I remove the loose dirt and I clayed it so the above surface contaminants are gone, what turned that pad brown? Bonded road film. Okay? Driving in the when you drive in the rain, all the oil that everybody's car drips is mixed with the rainwater and the dirt in the air that builds up, it flushes on your car. You do that over and over again, it starts to impact and bond to whatever's on there. Ceramic coating, graphene coating, carnauba wax. So so that's why I'm not a big fan of things that people say will last for a really long periods of time because it's on a daily driver is that the protection may be there but the looks are going to go away because you get bonded contaminants on there so there is no such thing as a thing that's going to protect your car like an invisible force field for long periods of time if it is in fact a daily driver it needs to be polished regularly to maintain that high level of gloss and clarity so that's a miscommunication and then you got people out there that are selling you know like this is a common one, glass coatings that last for a long time. But the problem is, is that wiper arm is going to run over the glass. It's going to wear whatever you put on there off. So that's why I always teach people to find something that's quick, fast, and easy to apply. So you will apply it often because it's going to wear off no matter what someone says. So uh, just misconceptions. You know, K-I-S-S, keep it simple, Simon. You know, keep everything based in reality. I thought it was stupid. I never used the word stupid. Why? I just, my mom and dad taught me not to say that. So I keep it simple, Simon. Yeah. Yeah.
I have an article on that. <laughs> because I think when we first started talking, when you first came on the podcast, you that was you have more of that writing style. You had, I think, you, isn't that your degree? I, I studied writing studied, in college. I never yeah. got a degree. Okay. I never thought I was going to become a writer. Yeah, and, but I remember yeah. right, I remembered you had st- that was a thing for yeah. you. And that was a big part then yeah. once the once we could start writing things to people on the internet. Yes. Yes. So I have an article that dates back to 1994. And what it was is I worked at Hewlett Packard, okay, in Corvallis, Oregon. It was the ink jet printer division and there were 5,000 people that worked there it was like a small city I had two full-time restaurants two full-time gyms and this thing called the internet happened and there was a, a bulletin board for car detailing and and when I wasn't busy doing my job I would go up there and answer questions and so I started typing a lot and in and in college I studied writing and I saw the, I studied typing but I never thought I was going to be writing car detailing articles and typing them out and teaching I just took it because it helps you with all your other classes to know how to type and know how to speak and read, things like that. But it ended up turning into, uh, like I've, I've written seven books in my life, and I've got three new ones coming out. And I know everybody watches YouTube nowadays, but it's nice. See, when you write a book, something that happens instantly, whether it's right or wrong, is you become recognized as an expert. Whether you are or not, it doesn't matter. You've got a book. It doesn't matter what the topic is. And... Um, but, but writing does help to establish you because, look, if, if what you write isn't any good, people are going to point it out. But no one's ever come up to me and said, hey, look, Mike, on page 67, you're wrong. <laughs> That's never happened in my entire life. So I try to do my research before I put anything in print. So. That's interesting because if you think about the different forms of communication, you've got what we're doing here is audio. Mm-hmm. Um, you have visual, right, video. Which now video is being documented, as we've talked about on social media. You've got podcasts that are now being recorded that can actually stamp a blueprint in time. But in theory, if we're going to communicate to people, there's really only been one way to communicate that lasts through time. And that's the written word. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and things change, you know, like it's okay to change your opinion or change how you do something because new technology happens. So sometimes what you wrote in the past may not be accurate, but it's not that it wasn't accurate when you wrote it. It's just that technology's changed and now you got to modify what you're saying. So using the new technology of things, I guess you would be in favor in which I think the algorithms would be in favor. And I think most platforms are in favor of detailers should actually describe what they're doing when they make a post or they make a comment or something, they should actually have very thought out communication. Well, it's going to benefit them and the reader. Okay. So more information is usually better than less information. But yeah, you know, a lot of times people just go up and put a picture of a shiny car and they don't say what they did to get there. They also don't show how it looked before they started. And with photography, you can actually take a really bad looking car in the right light. You can make it look like a detail that when you never did a thing. One of my friends used to make a joke that he can detail a car with Photoshop. You know, <laughs> it's funny, but it's also true. People do all kinds of things. But yeah, when you're, you know, look, People, people like to share to either show off or to, to help others. So when, when you do something and you list the products you use, the tools you use, and the steps that you did to do it, that's helping other people. When you just post a picture of a shiny car, that's not going to help anybody except for you. It's going to you know, make you look good. But some people do not have the ability to type or to, to formulate you know, complete sentences. That's just not everybody's wheelhouse not everybody has that skill video is a lot different if you can't type you can okay, always talk hold on let me yeah you're right we don't yeah and especially if we're we're very brutally honest that it the ease of entry into our industry mm-hmm. 
education levels and, and learning that actual how to write a sentence and make everything clear might not be their forte. No. And this is why I want to harp on it because you and I know that if you want something to last, you've got to work really hard at making it last. Yes. To write out a thoughtful comment, to write out a thoughtful post will last if enough people can read it and see it. If you give enough value to an answer, if you give enough value to why you do, you know, it, whether it's paint correction, whether it's put on a coating, whatever it is that you're going to make a post on, mm -hmm. and you write out and have it thoughtful and it's all in grammatical correction, it holds a lot more value and can go further along for your business. Yeah, it'll endure. So years ago, I wrote this article called Clear Coat Paints Are Thin. And in the article, I took a post-it note. I held it between my thumb and my finger, and I explained that a post-it note is about three mils. That picture, that statement, and then I backed it up with where I got the information. I just didn't pull that number out of thin air. Nowadays, for the last 10 years, I've seen everybody talk about how clear coats are about two mils thin. Not thick, but thin. And then they reference a post-it note or piece of paper. So I know that article is circulated around the world. Nobody knows where they got the information from, but I am the source. And But everybody's been educated But because it was just a simple, well-written article that had a picture that people could wrap their brain around, a post-it note. So you mentioned video, but let's, let's think through. If we want to give, and, and we're going to wind it down here in a second, uh, just give me a couple, a couple more questions. I'll pick your brain. But if we're going to think into the future and it's we want to be detailing in the future, we don't want to just do it for another couple of years. We would yeah. really love to be, I'm a 20-something-year-old kid, and I'd really love to make it to 40. I'd really love to make it to 50. Uh, you know, what you're going to recommend always writing stuff, but you mentioned video, and you do. You started getting into a lot more video work. You know, you've been documenting a lot more on video. Which, which direction should they go? Oh, video for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, nobody reads anymore. It's important to have good documentation, as you know, whether it's instructions on how to assemble a bike, whatever it is. But anytime I need to figure out how to do something, I just go to Google or YouTube and type in a couple keywords. And there's probably something up there by somebody. And you got, again, you might have watched two or three videos so you find a guy that actually you can tell he knows what he's talking about and demonstrates and explains it. So video is just a much more powerful way to communicate. Uh, are you? Have you gotten more into YouTube? Pardon me. You got more into YouTube? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, you know, uh, you know, since I've joined the 3D team, we just finished. We're just now finishing building our brand new training center, which is also a video production center, and we're going to be cranking out brand new great topic videos faster than probably anybody in this industry because i got a great video guy his name is yancey martinez he is the best in the industry he's just the master of everything he's so good me he just makes me look good on video didn't you start a production company too i don't know about that he yeah. might but i won't yeah oh, okay. i'll just i'll just be the talking head for him okay so but yeah the videos is you know where you can show and you can explain and people can see right then and there it just makes a connection but right, last two questions sure. last two questions you just mentioned training <laughs> You, you've been devout into training. Uh, a, a guy that you and I will both appreciate, somebody that uh, I, in order to learn sales off of, uh, I started to put CDs into my, uh, <laughs> my car as I was driving down the road, was Zig Ziglar. And I had a quote that if you help enough people get what they want out of life, you'll get everything you want out of life. Yep. He, you're a help guy. I'm a help guy. Yep. It's the way I've built my business. Help, give, help, give, help, give. How does a detailer 
how do I mean how do we how, how do we understand if somebody's really trying to help us in training or hey I've got this coding class and it's 800 bucks you're gonna learn how to wipe on a product and you'll get a t-shirt and you'll get some data how, how do I understand the difference between somebody that really wants to help me and somebody that's just trying to sell me stuff in trainings and yeah. specifically in trainings because yeah. as you know right trainings, yeah. are, trainings are becoming so I mean it's changed yeah it's changing <laughs> yes um, again, you know what? And I said this, earlier, there's no easy answer. You got to do your research and the, and the research is hard to do because you don't get honesty and transparency from everybody. So there's just no way to know. So look, I have people that take my classes that have taken other people's classes and they did not have a good time. That's why they're taking a second class. So they probably did their research and sometimes you're just going to make a mistake, you know, chalk it up to experience. It's called the school of hard knocks. It's not a fun school to go to. But we've all, we're all, if you haven't been through it, you're going to go through it. But there's just, there's no good answer for that. I wish I had one, but there isn't. All you can do is research. And, you know, when I come to venues like this, I have people that come and talk to me and I pull my phone out and like, like I got a class coming up in three weeks. I tell people I'm going to teach wet sanding, dry sanding, machine sanding, and hand sanding. And I got two cars coming in, not hoods, cars real cars that got custom paint jobs because that's where you really sand is custom paint jobs. People don't sand their brand new Honda. One of the cars I got coming in is a 1965 Impala. Numbers matching, three-speed, 327 Impala. It just came out of the paint booth on Wednesday. So it's normal to get a show car finish to wet sand that car in about two or three weeks. It'll be at my class. I will be teaching a real class on sanding on a real world car that would really get sanded. To sand on the middle of a hood, you don't learn anything. I quit teaching on hoods uh, eight years ago, so I only use the real deal. But everybody's got to do their research. If you want to learn how to sand or you want to learn how to do coatings, find someone that has a documented history of teaching you that stuff in a real world situation. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy to say that years ago, I quit using PowerPoints in my classes. I don't use PowerPoints. Instead of looking at the wall at a picture of a product, a tool, or a pad, I put that in your hand, walk you over to a car, show you how to use it, and turn you loose and then watch you. And I adjust your technique if it needs it. Maybe it doesn't need it. But see, to me, that's real training. And the kind of people that are attracted to detailing, I've always noticed they're the kind of people that, Community. that learn better by doing instead of sitting in a chair, okay? So, but everybody can find out works for them. But that's what you want to do. If you want to get good training, you got to find someone that has a documented history of actually showing you how to do stuff. You know, and for me, it's hands-on. It's all hands-on. You know, my, my, I had eight classes yesterday. Uh, from the time I got here at 8 o'clock till 5 o'clock, I had eight classes. And I, I had a PowerPoint. And the only thing in the PowerPoint would be a picture of a car or a tool or something that tied in with the class. Then I turned that off. And I had a real car in my classroom. I had real tires. I had real glass. I had real piece of a boat. I had real things. And I showed everybody how to do it. And Yancey brought in a wireless camera. So no matter where you sat, you could see the action up on the wall. And to me, it was the best class classes I've ever taught in my life. But what everybody came around and told me that they liked was it was action. It was, it was things taking place, not looking at a picture on the wall. So, but everybody's got to do their own research. I love it. Uh, I did mine yesterday on distribution, how to grow a million dollar distribution company. And I did nothing. You did what? I did nothing. You did nothing? I put nothing behind me. Gotcha. Just stood there and explained how to do it in the real world. Exactly. Yeah. Because I realized I don't need a bunch of stuff to, to show people. 
I'm the only chemical manufacturer owner that started as a detailer mm -hmm. and they started a distribution company out of their garage, grew that distribution company into then realizing, hey, I could go at a national campaign and then began to build a national company and here we are today in 2022 at the booth. I wish I could have taken your class. I was kind of busy. <laughs> I agree. I, and there was, it, it's funny, Jason from Chicago Auto Pro said in there, you know, and there was people in there that were already into di distribution. There was detailers that were looking at distribution because chemical sales for for detailers is becoming a thing. Yeah, it's big money. It, it's Yeah, when have we as detailers ever had the opportunity to sell products? We really haven't until over the past couple of years. It's always been to a group of you got to invest in heavy. You got to put in all the you know big trucks and all the. It's it's always been that direction. Yeah. And now as detailers, we got opportunities that we haven't had in the past. The internet changed all that. Okay. So before the internet, everything you bought was retail based, brick and mortar store, and only the big guys could get their products on the shelves in front of your eyes. When the internet came along, you put up a website or a Facebook page, you, it leveled the playing field. Now, Joe Nobody can come up with a great product and compete against 3M. Boom. And he who has the best product will win. Because you can come up with some kind of glitzy advertising and talk about how great your product is, but if it doesn't perform, that person will never buy it a second time and they won't show their friend. But if you come up with a product and it performs as advertised, when it's empty or gone or used up, that person will buy another one, and they will show their friend. So the, the Internet just leveled the playing field by enabling single individuals to compete against huge corporations. But distribution, as you become successful, becomes the, probably the, one of the hardest things to, to, to accomplish and to perfect to get your products to the end-user end customer. It's a, it's a different way of going about it if, if you... Straight to consumer, actually, of course, we all know you got more margins, right? You know, but yep. it's so much more difficult for somebody that's manufacturing a product, which is why you don't see it. Very few of them will actually sell direct because not only do they have to do the manufacturing side, but then they also have to do the fulfillment side. But in order to do that, they would have had to got the orders. Very few companies actually know how to, in today's world, the modern company has to do all the different social medias. Mm -hmm. They have to produce it themselves, and they actually have to have some audio. They have some written word. They have to do all of it. All of it, yeah. And that takes a very special <clears throat> company, and very few actually have invested into it. Yeah, so one of the jobs I've had in my life, uh, I did it for only for a year, but my title was corporate writer. So I took over all the writing responsibilities for Barry Maguire. His TV show, Car Crazy, just got him so busy, he didn't have time to do any more writing. And so he hired me to be the writer for the McGuire's company. And that included uh, label copy, directions, buzzwords, marketing, radio jingles, technical bulletins, how-to articles, anything that took words, I was in charge of. And uh, it was a huge responsibility. I really loved it. But then I transitioned to the training side where I was just teaching classes all the time. And they hired someone else to do the writing. But for one year, I did, I did like it. So, All right. As you've been on the pub before and been on the episodes, we have a tab out question, right? <laughs> yes. So don't worry. This isn't too crazy. You know, over the years, we've had some really interesting ones. This is pretty simple, and especially it's already into what we're talking about. Where do you see the futures of coatings? We've got lifetime coatings, which you already have said, which like here at HyperClean, we don't believe in lifetime coatings. 
But then you've got so many that are coming out with now six months. I've believed, as I've been in the industry so long too, one, two, and three year is the way to go. It's what I've done since 2016, right? Not saying that five years out of the mark. But where do you see now that we've got graphene coming in? Now that we've got all these different things. Overall blanket statement, where do you see the future of ceramic coatings? Um, God, that is a good question. Um, I guess what I see is uh, more coatings from different ingredients that offer more benefits, but also um, more hybrid products that have these ingredients in them, like the car wash that help to maintain the coating because it's got some of the coating material in it. Uh, so I just I see more hybrid products and then more specialized. Uh, just as the industry grows, the products that we have are going to become better and more refined. That's what's going to happen. So just better and better and better. I don't think these will get worse and worse and worse. Cool, Mike. So the, the future's looking bright. Future's looking bright. Yes. Wonderful. Remind everybody again where they connect with you. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me, just Mike Phillips 3D. That'll find me on Instagram, uh, Facebook, uh, 3dproducts.com. Um, I now I brought up a discussion forum for 3D. It's 3dedetailtalk.com. You can get to it from the corporate website, which is 3dproducts.com. Just look for the word forum. You know, you know, I know I know Facebook groups and, and Twitter and all this stuff's all popular, but I I create very detailed articles that document and show people how to do stuff. I take that and turn that into video, but I have both. And I can't put the volume of information that I create in a Facebook message. So that's why I use a forum. People can use it or don't. I don't care. But I'm going to be creating content until I get out of this industry, and I need a forum to do it. So Wonderful, man. I know a lot of people here in the community have, have reached out. They have a lot of respect for you, myself included. So thanks so much for sitting down and having a beer with me, man. Thank you for the beer. Yeah, community.